0: It is winning season at my bookie. use promo code gators on the deposit of $50 or more and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly to your my bookie account bet anything anytime anywhere with my bookie And gators breakdown is proud to partner with America's number one meal kit HelloFresh go to hellofresh.com slash 50 gators and use code 50 gators for 50 percent off plus free shipping gators breakdown because there's never a dull moment in gator nation the gators breakdown podcast is ready to go i am your host david waters you can find me on social media at GatorDave underscore stc and at gators breakdown here we are monday night ahead of florida georgia it is florida georgia week it is georgia hate week right here with my co-host will miles you can find him at his site, readandreaction.com, on YouTube at Read and Reaction, and of course on Twitter at Will Miles SCC. Will, I think I'm going to wear this shirt for every episode this week. It is the <laughs> Beat Georgia shirt, and uh, hey, it's just, that, that's just where we're at. If people know me, they know this is my biggest game. This is the game I look forward to uh, most of the year. I know between most of Gator Nation, it is you either want to beat Georgia more or Florida State more. I grew up in the state of Georgia. This one means more to me than any other game on the schedule, will?
1: Well, and beyond that, it's that Georgia's had so much success. So there's something that you can do now as Florida to to sort of it's not just if Florida gets a win, Florida gets a win, though that's a big part of it. Yeah, but you also get the get the get the joy of walking out of that stadium with half red and black just like lamenting how could they possibly have lost to an unranked florida team <laughs> which you know if florida's walking out with a victory they ain't unranked anymore so uh, you know th- there's a lot of stuff here right i mean florida because of the way the season's gone because of their records in the sec they win this game their first place in the east and so it's not just a hey spoil georgia's season it's it's a hey let's make florida's season there's an opportunity here to do that now are they going to be able to do
0: that repeat that one more time
1: time. it's not just that you get to ruin georgia's season you get to make your season if you win this game (laughs) so there should be plenty of motivation if they show up flat in this one we got some issues because uh this should be one where everybody's hyped to go in fact i think i would be far more worried about um, a bunch of unsportsmanlike penalties in a fight at midfield than I would be about uh, about guys coming out flat in this one. Because let's be honest, this is the one you come to Florida for. Oh, yeah. You probably, if you were a high-level recruit who came to Florida or to Georgia, you turned down the other school to come to, to go to where you decided to go. These guys are all, you know, obviously the states border each other. And and look, Florida State's been down for a little while. By the time we get to the end of the year, I'll convince myself that ruining their season is more important than this one. But right now, this week, Heck no, man. Most important game of the year.
0: Absolutely. Like I said, for me, it always is. It, it, it is always a must win. That doesn't mean you're, you know, I, I think Florida can win, but it is a must win just because I want to get that big. I mean, look, I grew up with us like they're dominating us right now. That's what I grew up with in the state of Georgia. I had bragging rights for going to grade school and high school. and all. I mean, everybody hated me because I was always gloating of Florida beating Georgia, but she was on the other foot right now. Hopefully Florida can reverse the trend here. This week, as they take on the top-ranked Georgia Bulldogs, we got plenty to get into here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. Everybody hit that like button. Subscribe to Gators Breakdown if you haven't done so yet. Smash that like button. A lot of good stuff to talk about here as we preview this game. Uh, We'll wrap up this episode, too. Uh, Will and I, first time we've gotten together since the big, big commitment of five-star LJ McCray to the Gators. Uh, so we'll talk some a little bit of recruiting um, at the end of the episode here, but mostly Florida, Georgia talk right here on this episode of Gator's Breakdown. We'll hear from Billy Napier, what he had to say today ahead of this big matchup. So like, subscribe, and let's get to it. Uh, you check out Gatorsbreakdown.com, you can check out Billy Napier's full press conference, the transcript of that there, and Graham Mertz as well. And if you want to keep the conversation going, link is in the description to join Gator's Breakdown plus hey, that Discord. It's going to be on fire this week. It was on fire this past weekend with the big commitment of LJ McCray. You get those ad-free episodes as well of Gators Breakdown, Discord chat, chat episodes, all that good stuff. The newsletter to GatorsBreakdown.com. Plenty going on at Gators Breakdown Plus. Link is in the description. So, Will, let's get to it, man. 23 straight wins for Georgia. That's what we're walking into. I don't want it to get to 24 on Saturday. 23 straight wins for the Bulldogs. And the Gators have never beaten an AP number one team while they have been unranked, Will. Florida's barely unranked. I think I saw they were (laughs) 26th. So, uh, sitting right there, as you said, if Florida wins this, of course they'll be ranked, but have never beaten an AP number one as an unranked team, uh, have the Gators. So, and Will, you probably know this. A little bit of trivia before we get going. Georgia's last regular season loss was... Oh,
1: 2021 to, to or 2020 to to Florida. Kyle Trask, right? There
0: we go. That's it. That is their last regular season loss.
1: Well, we only have to throw about 47 wheel <laughs> concepts this week, and we'll be
0: good. <laughs> Kyle Pence is not walking through that door. Kyle Trask is not walking through that door. Um there is Tony, of course. But yeah, that's the last time. Last time Georgia has lost a regular season game. 23 straight wins for the dogs as well. Of course, back-to-back national champion. So hopefully, you know, we, uh, that's the stakes of it right here though will i mean not only is it just a rivalry game not only are you playing your rival i mean as you said you're playing the best team in the country a a team that's just been dominating college football the last couple of years and look you know kind of the theme of this episode you look this is a chance for florida this is a chance for billy napier this is you know to send a national message you sent the national message last year to start your career at florida by beating utah only for you know to falter and then this year you get the big win over tennessee only to Falter to Kentucky, and now we got some good feelings. Georgia hasn't looked like the dominant team, dominant presence they have been the last couple of years. They're still the best team in the country. They deserve every bit of being ranked number one. But I think we can at the same time say, look, they don't look like the team. That doesn't mean they can't eventually be the team that we've seen the last couple of years. But right now... Yeah, you know, besides the Kentucky game, there's not been a lot to write home about, and that was a Kentucky team that you know beat beat Florida. Georgia gets up for that ranked team coming to coming to Athens and just puts it on Kentucky. But hey, look, it's the number one team. They haven't looked great. Florida's feeling a little good about themselves right now after the comeback win over South Carolina. Hey, look, there's a chance here, Will. Yeah, I mean look, there's
1: always a chance whenever you go out on the field and 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 play. This is one of those though where the chance is pretty slim. Everything's going to have to go perfect. I think I might have even said last week is that this is probably going to require one of those games like the Jordan Reed game in 2012 where Florida had six turnovers. I mean Georgia had three in that game too, but but that sort of stuff where there's just going to have to be some wonky stuff that happens where Beck maybe either gets knocked out of the game or where um, Florida is able to force him into making mistakes. And that that, you know, there haven't been a whole lot of turnovers for the Florida defense has been a lot of pressure for the Florida defense. So whether you've got a lot of confidence in that, I can understand why you wouldn't in this particular case. The, the big thing to me is that Georgia is 8th in points per game allowed against FBS opponents, 7th in yards per play. So their performance in terms of the yards they've allowed matches up very, very well with the points they've given up or the points they've scored. Same thing on defense. They're 8th in points per game allowed. They're 7th in yards per play allowed. Florida's got some real splits. They're 68th in points per game but 49th in yards per play. So you would kind of expect them to have, to have scored a little bit more. Some of that I think goes to the red zone stuff. But Florida's 40th in points per game allowed, and they're 95th in yards per play. And a couple of a couple of weeks ago, Florida was like 22nd in points per game, and they were at something like 75th in yards per play. And I kept saying we gotta like these are gonna ha- these are gonna converge at some point. The question is, are they gonna converge because Florida's gonna start giving up 45 points a game, or are they gonna converge because Florida's gonna stop giving up as many big plays as they've given up? Obviously, the last two weeks against Vanderbilt. And against, uh, against South Carolina, a lot of big plays, a lot of yardage given up, and that yards per play rank's actually gotten worse. So that, to me, the defense for Florida is the biggest concern in this one. Um, I think the offense... Are they going to be able to find a way to move the ball? Like Georgia's defense isn't dominant, like it's been in the past. They are not creating a boatload of havoc. What they're not doing is they're not. Oh, we'll up get into that. We'll <laughs> get into that. Not. All right. Well, I'll, I'll I'll wait until we can get into that. But I guess my point is Georgia's defense isn't something that's going to just like flip the field consistently and give its offense five yard drives for touchdowns. They're going to have to drive the field, but the question is going to be can Florida's defense stop that? And and that's the thing I'm looking for is what adjustments on defense has Austin Armstrong and Billy Napier made in order to have the Florida defense ready to go in this one.
0: All right. Well, let's start on the offensive side of the ball for the Gators. We'll hear from Billy Napier here, but let's start with quarterback Graham Mertz. He's completed at least 62% of his passes. You know, his nice little uh, as we come off the bye week, you know, kind of a little refresher here. Uh, come at, completed at least 62% of his passes has Mertz while throwing for at least one passing touchdown in all seven games this season. Uh, of course, opened the season with six straight games above 70% completion percentage. Uh, he's the first Gator to ever do that. Well, here you go. You talked about turnovers and maybe what Florida needs to do. Well, Florida does need to take care of the ball. Mertz has thrown one interception in his last 207 attempts. So with that introduction, here's Billy Napier on the offense right now, coming off the bye week and headed into the game versus Georgia.
2: You know, I think what we've learned is 15 is a very capable player. Uh, And I think he, you know, when given the opportunity, if we can protect him, uh, if we can create separation, if we can win individual matchups and we've got a good design play, Uh, he can get it to the right guy, right? So I do think that we are steadily improving around him. I think the freshman tight ends are growing up. I think the continuity in the offensive line has helped us. uh, And I think we're getting some pretty good receiver play week to week, depending on who's available. You know, I think um, that's another area of our team where we've had different lineups for, you know, some weeks, but Overall, you're going to move the ball in this league. It takes every position's got to do their part.
0: Your offensive growth over the last two wins—how much of that is opponent-driven, or maybe confidence in the coaching staff figuring out what you got, or maybe the players figuring out what who they are?
2: Yeah, no, I think it's just a little bit better execution, in my opinion, a little bit better fundamentals. Um, I do think getting Trey back helps, you know, Jake gaining experience helps, um, you know, just getting healthy to some degree. Trevor's back, you know, I mean, I think you got a number of things that contribute to that, so um, and look, I think the coaches have done a good job, you know, I think the tight ends have improved, you know, we're getting good play and production from Boardingham. you know, I think uh, Hayden Hansen is Steadily getting better as he gains more experience. So uh, we've got a group there that, and look, I I think that, you know, we're going to continue to be challenged in this league. Every week's a new week. You know, I think for us to have some consistency, we got to continue to play at a high level across the board.
0: Well, that's exactly what we're looking for consistency on the offensive side of the ball. And look, it may not show up versus Georgia. I mean, I look, I, I do think Florida is getting better on offense. I do think they're kind of finding their identity as they get these pieces Billy Napier's talking about. They're getting healthier on the offensive line. they got some continuity there now. ETN's back. Wilson's been healthy. Uh, the tight ends are starting to emerge. They're healthy as well. You know, Boardingham was dealing with some injuries at one point, too, earlier this season. So, look, you're starting to get your weapons, and your weapons are starting to play together uh, a little bit more. I do think they are getting better. Billy Napier mentioned it. You want to see some consistency but Georgia can be just that good on defense where we may not see it this weekend. I mean, I, I do think there is something there. And, 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 you know, how much can Florida's offense pressure Georgia's defense? I do think that is the the, the key to this game. I mean, it they've been able to control Florida's offense – I mean, and a lot of the offenses out there through, through these years of just kind of just doing what they want to do and just can kind of controlling the game. And, you know, Florida got within eight in the third quarter last year, but you never really felt Florida could grab a control of the game, and mostly because uh, of Georgia's defense and the reputation that, that they get. So while I do think this offense is taking steps, while I do think they are getting better, I don't know if that will show itself Saturday versus Georgia.
1: Well, I mean, that's always the question, right? Is that the defenses they've played the last couple of weeks, Vanderbilt and South Carolina, are not highly ranked defenses at all. George is one of the premier defenses in the country and the SEC. And one thing that's been interesting this year is that when I've looked at the stats heading into these games, that's been a constant question. So Kentucky hadn't played anybody coming into the Florida game. And I was sitting there going, well, I think these stats are still relevant, even though they haven't played anybody. And then South Carolina, the question was, well, these guys have played a lot of pretty good teams. Has everything been suppressed? "Eh, Not really. I think they're still really bad on defense. So. We're at a point now where the where the stats are really starting to equilibrate a little bit. And I think these teams are who they are. And the, the worry that I have is not necessarily Florida's offense being able to like make a statement or something like that. It's that Florida has not been effective on the ground all year long. No. And and Georgia absolutely excels when they're able to stop and force you into third and seven, third and eight. And they're really good against the pass. So they're third overall in the country against FBS opponents in yards per pass. And as weird as it is to say this, that's Florida's strength. Florida's strength right now is throwing the ball. And so yeah, you're gonna have to put it in Grandmart's hands. Right now is QB rankings at like 163.7. The, but the issue there is Beck's at 163.8, so you don't really have some giant advantage overall there. And I just – that that's the thing is Florida all year long on third down has been successful like when the offense has been successful it's kind of been a half by half thing when the offense has been successful on third down they've been able to move the ball they've been able to at least score points and, and get in you know against Utah they get one for 13 on third down five for six against McNeese seven for 14 against Tennessee but they were seven for eight in the first half one for nine against Charlotte. Four for thirteen against Kentucky, then five for twelve against Vandy, but they were one for one on fourth down, and then four for fifteen against South Carolina, so they were three for four on fourth down. So that's maybe the other thing to look for is I think Billy Napier's gonna have to be aggressive. He's it's sometimes it's gonna take him four downs to get that conversion, and we'll see what they can do and whether they are aggressive, go for it on fourth down, and just sort of say, you know what, at some point we're gonna have to, we may turn it over in our own, own end but we're willing to do that because we know we have to get these conversions to keep these drives moving, not only to keep Georgia off the field, but just because the way Florida's offense is situated, the conversion rate has to be high for Florida's offense to be successful. If they put up another 4 for 15 on
0: third down, they're getting beat by 30. I mean,
1: <laughs> against well, Georgia, that's just the reality.
0: Well, well, one of keys to Georgia's success this year, third down defense. They lead the country in third down defense opponents are just converting 23.6% of third downs on Georgia's defense. In their past three SEC games, Will, opponents are a combined 6 of 32 on third down against Georgia's defense. That's good for 19%. Going to your point, Will, Florida ranks 108th in third down conversion with 33.3% going against the nation's best Third down defense. So, yeah, well, you look, guys, what do we, Will and I don't talk as much as you probably think we do before episodes. And that was just a nice little transition there of going to third down, how important we think it is, where Florida has struggled this year going to that point. And now you're going against the nation's best third down defense. Hopefully you find something in the bye week there to, to to get you uh you know something where you can convert on and, and I'll go and, and will I go to your point there? Yeah, I think it will be some fourth down conversions if Florida can at least set themselves up in some third short situations. A lot of these two have been, you know, short yardage situations haven't been pretty for the Florida this year too much either, uh, but it has been Florida being in a lot of third and six, third and seven situations. Uh, and and really hurting themselves. So, you know, once Florida crosses the 50, if they can cross the 50, if they can get in those down and distant situations, yeah, you're going to have to convert. And hopefully it is living in a bunch of third and short.
1: Well, here's your problem. Florida's 18 for 41 on third down, 44% at home they are nine for 41, 22% on the road. Mm. And they're they're one for three on fourth down at home, obviously haven't been behind at home at at all, really. So they haven't had to go for a fourth down. Six for 12 on fourth down on the road. So they've had to go for it a lot more often than you maybe would like on the road. And they've been really unsuccessful on third down. And so against Kentucky, that killed them, right? They just couldn't get any third down conversions. You get the interception really quickly. It's 16 to nothing before you're even out of the first quarter. And that game was basically over against South Carolina they were they went three for four in the first in the first quarter were able to put up some points keep it relatively close and then obviously all the fourth down conversions three for three in the uh well three for four but the fourth one was when they ran out of the end zone for the safety so really when it counted three for three on fourth downs on those key drives so they end up seven for 19 overall 37 percent on conversions that's the only reason that game has that comeback right I mean obviously if any of those fourth downs doesn't convert then South Carolina wins that game so uh, yeah I mean Look, Georgia's great at, at stopping people on third down, but Georgia's great at stopping people on first and second down. <laughs> yeah. And Austin Armstrong said this coming into the season that third downs are one on first down. That when you put somebody in second and nine, when you put somebody in third and eight, that's when you start winning. And and even in that case, if it's let's say third and five and Florida decides to run like Florida's at the Georgia 40, and they decide to give the ball to ETN and they get stuffed. Or they give the ball to ETN, they get four yards. That makes such a huge difference in terms of what you do, right? Because if you're at the 36 and it's fourth and one, now you probably go for it. If it's at the 40 and it's fourth and five, maybe you punt the ball away, though I would say still say you need to go for it there. But <laughs> but irrespective, your decision making changes based on what they're able to do. In these key downs. And so third and fourth down conversions really become important because I think in this one, Napier's going to have to go for and fourth down a ton. Like the game plan here, if he really thinks he can win and if he's really got faith in the offense, is going to be really similar to the game plan against Tennessee last year, where they were chucking the ball all over the place. They basically said, Richardson, go win this for us on offense. Every time they had a fourth down, they went and they went for it. And then, you know, they had to have a furious rally at the end and weren't able to come back.
0: But So you're saying full full Lane Kiffin versus Alabama style.
1: I mean, I'm saying that that is your (laughs) chance. Like you, so the thing I had a chart after that Tennessee game last year of every fourth down and the winning percentage shift that Billy Napier achieved for his team by going for it on every fourth down and going for it for the two point conversion or the two point conversions and all those sorts of things. And what it, what it added up to, I can't remember what the exact number was, but what it basically added up to is he gave his team an extra like five or six percentage points Towards a win against Tennessee. And so I came out of that game going, he gets it. He's using the analytics correctly to give his team every edge they can. If you're the favorite, like Georgia, maybe you don't, maybe you're not that aggressive because you, theoretically have better players and you're normally going to be able to pull. you don't need every single edge to win the game. Florida's going to have to pull out all the stops. So turnovers, you're going to have to get the ball punched out a couple times. You're going to have to have somebody break up the middle from, you know, put pressure on back from up the middle, force him into a throw he doesn't want to make. And all of a sudden you get a pick. Maybe even a pick six. Like you might need to convert that into seven points on the turnover, not just have your offense convert into seven points, but convert into seven points right away. I mean, look, South Carolina was up 14 to 3 and was completely throttling Georgia in the first half. And then Georgia decided they wanted to actually play, and then they blew South Carolina off the field. Florida just played South Carolina in an extraordinarily competitive game for you know for all four quarters, and it was back and forth the entire time. So the level that they played against South Carolina, they're gonna have to raise that level in order to beat Georgia. Some of that is going to be finding every single edge they can find. And look, timeout usage is gonna be critical. False starts are going to be critical. The decisions for f- whether to go for it on fourth down or not, making all your field goals, having the right number of players on the field for all the specialties plays, all the little things that have sometimes cropped up this year have to be perfect this week. You're not going to knock off Georgia if you turn the ball over three times. If you don't go for it on fourth down, like if 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 he kicks a field goal from fourth and two or fourth and goal at the two yard line, Florida loses the game because you just sacrificed something like two or three expected points doing that way. You got to maximize every single opportunity you have in this one
0: all right so will you, you go look at it we mentioned the last time georgia lost a regular season game was 2020 florida and look with the way this team is constructed yeah billy Napier would probably still like be able to, to to run the ball uh but right now with the way Graham Mertz is playing you hope you take advantage of that but look that's the way georgia has been beaten and i'm not sitting here trying to put Graham mertz up there with kyle trask and matt jones and joe burrow and you know, the Alabama quarterbacks, but that's been the quarterbacks. That's been the style of play that's beaten Georgia. Once they've gotten this thing rolling under Kirby Smart, you're not running for six, seven yards to carry on them. It's a quarterback that's going to drop back 40 times, pinpoint accuracy, and hit the passes down the field. Can Grand Mertz get anywhere close to that? That's been look. I know Georgia had a close game with Auburn a, a few weeks ago as well, and that probably maybe if they don't have Brock Bowers, might ends up <laughs> in, a, in a loss for them, But they didn't lose that game, uh, and the quarterback run game was a, was huge in that. But you know, for the style of play that we thought maybe Florida can excel out, maybe would excel out, excel at at this point in the season at some points in the season by relying on mantra johnson trevor e t n that's just not the style, even if it can work it just still hasn't been the style that can really take advantage of a george defense uh so how close can elite quarterback play can you get uh to go you know put it up against this george defense and hey billy Napier was asked about the the havoc uh you know george's defense not creating a lot of havoc uh th- this year uh and going going back he answered he goes ultimately it's in the category of third down that you're playing in i want you to be uh, i think you want to be good on third down defense make them play third and long i think they've done a good job on the early downs creating those passing downs obviously obviously those are much more difficult to convert that's the key to the drill i think it's trying to keep third down manageable in the game will be part of the game both sides of the ball for us and them uh so yeah well i mean you go to it, it the for Georgia and their defense, they haven't once they've gotten this thing rolling, you know, haven't really been dependent on a whole lot of sacks or tackles for loss. Uh, but they seem to get better as the season goes on in, in those things. And I was looking at Georgia's uh, on three side dogs HQ. And they said you know, if you go back to last year, through seven games in 2022, they didn't have a single game where they had more than six tackles for loss. In the eight games that came after that, they had five games where they had eight or more. Tackles for loss. Uh, and this year in 2023, their high tackle for loss in a game is seven. Uh, so, you know, we are trying to see if they they, they themselves have realized hey, they'd like to get more sacks. They'd like to get more pressure. But historically, under Kirby Smart, the Georgia defense hasn't really needed it to play their best and to shut offenses down.
1: Yeah, I had a piece in in our preseason magazine over at Reading Reaction that looked at the Georgia defense and really was was contrasting it with what Austin Armstrong had done at Southern Mississippi and all of the pressure that he had been able to generate but that they weren't and and certainly had seen some success there but that that wasn't the way Georgia built their defense. So there was a lot of talk during the offseason when Armstrong was hired where everybody was sort of where he spouted a lot about um, about different schemes that they were going to use being multiple, being able to do, you know, play a 3-4-4-3, three, four, four, three, doing all sorts of different types of uh, types of things on the defensive and defensive side of the ball. And everybody was like that's just like Kirby Smart. That's what he does. It's like, yeah, but Kirby Smart has some really significant players up front to do that sort of stuff. It's like a wall and i actually think you know 2 weeks ago coming out of the coming out of the kentucky game one of the things i suggested was they need to run some toss plays to get the running backs a little bit of space. I think you're going to see some of that in this one. You saw it against Vanderbilt as well. They threw a couple of swing passes out to the running backs. They're going to have to get those guys out in space one-on-one, and then guys like Etienne and Montreal Johnson are going to have to make people miss or maybe even get it to Trey Wilson out there, have him at running back and get it out to him on some sort of toss with a little bit of space. They're going to have to manufacture some space. Now, look, Florida or Georgia's linebackers run like crazy, and so they're going to be able to get to those plays from time to time and stretching them east-west The entire game is not necessarily what you're going to want to do, but you're going to have to try to do that so that you can then hit the quick plays up the field. Now, that is the one advantage of Billy Napier's offense in general, that when you do that zone blocking where you put your foot in the ground and go, if you get guys moving east and west, then all of a sudden you can find a gash and you can get a big explosive play from that. ETN and Montreal Johnson, ETN more than Johnson, have the ability to squeak through one of those holes and and take it to the house. And again, that might be something that they need. Georgia's defense doesn't normally give that up. You're going to have to block it perfectly, but I think you're going to have to get them moving east and west to start with. And the problem is most of the time you can't really get those guys up front to move east and west because they're not necessarily getting the tackle for loss. What they're doing is they're driving the offensive line back or at least timing the offensive line and then allowing the linebackers to clean everything up. Right, so you look at you look at different blocking schemes. Oftentimes, if you look at the guards, they'll double team with the center, and then the guard will try to get up to a linebacker. Those are the things I think you're going to want to watch for, at least in the running game for Florida. Is can that guard get up to the linebacker and stop them? Because if those linebackers are allowed to roam free, I don't care what the running back, I don't care if you got Barry Sanders back there, you're still going to struggle if you don't get the offensive lineman up to the linebackers on a fairly regular basis. But you know, I, I still think I mean it's exactly what you said, which is. Mert, they're gonna have to put this one on Mertz's back, and this has been the concern all year long, right? Now, look, the fourth quarter, South Carolina, Mertz put him on his back and won that game. Now the question is, can he do that against a Georgia team? Can he put Florida on his back? And, and you know, again, one of the key stats you'll probably want to look at there is actually, as weird as it sounds, Graham Mertz rushing yards because sacks are built into the rushing <laughs> yards. And he's got 41 rushes for negative 59 yards this year. It's been a complete non ad You look at a guy like Carson Beck, he's got 28 rushes for 50 yards. So only averaging 1.8 yards per rush. But they have the exact same quarterback rating and very different metrics if you start combining those things. So my yards above replacement has back at 1.16 and has Mertz at 0.04. So basically it says for the season, Mertz has been kind of average because of all of those sacks. So how he can avoid that, just throwing the ball away in this one is going to be a win, right? Getting the ball out, living another day, punting the ball away, or getting the ball out and getting yourself a field goal rather than getting knocked out of field goal range. Those sorts of plays are going to be the ones that are key. If you look up at the end of the first half, and he's got six rushes for negative four yards, it's probably been a very unsuccessful first half. If he's got one rush for four yards, it's been a very successful first half because you've been able to protect him. He maybe took off once. Maybe you ran a read option to sort of slow down the guy in the back end, and you got four or five yards out of that one. Um, But to me, it's so weird to say that the rushing yards for Graham Mertz are going to be the key. But I (laughs) I know what you mean, though but that's the reality is it's not that Florida is going to get some big explosive play from Graham Mertz. It's that they need to avoid the explosive negative play where you get knocked out of field goal range, knocked out of the red zone, put into a, you know, put into a second and 18 or a third and 17. And all of a sudden you're throwing the ball downfield. Um, or you're just dumping it off, trying you know, and, and punting the ball on 3rd and 14 or 4th and 14 or something like that. But the worst case scenario would be you try to push it downfield on a 3rd and 14, 3rd and 15, 3rd and 16. And all of a sudden you get a turnover and the game sort of spirals out of your control. Again, I think floor is going to have to be pretty close to perfect. That includes Mertz, but that also includes decision making within the pocket. Even when Georgia beats Florida and the Georgia defense is going to beat Florida sometimes. And when they do that, you got a screen pass set up and they, and they sniff it out, throw it right at the running backs feet, right? Don't take a sack. Don't try to make more of it than you can. You know, don't do anything like that. Just throw it right at his feet. Live for second down, right? You lost that play. Georgia sniffed it out. Georgia knew it was coming. Cool. Let's play second down and ten. And, and he's done, it, and he's done a pretty,
0: yeah, and he's done a pretty good job at that so far this year. I and mean, he's getting to, better.
1: He's yeah. still a little bit slow. The play actions where they like the main criticism that I would have. Well, My bad. I, I
0: meant of. taking care of the ball. No, I didn't yeah. mean. I didn't mean as far <laughs> as taking sacks and stuff. Yes, that's still yeah. been still been an issue, and will be the biggest issue in this game.
1: Well, so they're gonna. Tr- what was interesting is in the South Carolina game, they got a lot of man-to-man coverage, and some of that was the reason that Merch took deep shots. But mm-hmm. if you notice, they didn't do as much, I don't think, of play action where he had his back to the defense to the defensive line for significant stretches of time, right? He was getting his head around pretty quick. The only time he really sort of didn't have that sort of vision towards what was going on in front of him was on the Philly special that they ran where he gets the toss. He has to concentrate on catching the ball. And the minute he catches it, he's got a guy in his face. And that's where you get the intentional grounding. He almost got that one out. To where, they, to where they didn't take the sack and didn't have the big negative. They end up with the big negative on that one, but he's processing that faster. And as he processes that faster, the offense is going to be a little bit more consistent. The question, again, is you're against a faster defense now. Is your processing speed going to catch up, or is it going to be a disaster? And I think that's sort of the the one of the main questions we had going into the year. And we're going to know how good Graham Mertz is at quarterback after this one, uh, because I, I think – you know, if he's able to carry the team against, if he's able to, even in a close loss, if he's yeah. able to carry this team against Georgia, put him on his back, then all the preseason assessments, and I'll be the first one to eat crow on that one, then all the preseason assessments have been wrong.
0: All right. Well, we'll move to the other side of the ball in just a second. But hey, when your money's on the line, choose a trusted sports book that gives you the tools to win, like my bookie. My bookie, hey, look, it doesn't matter if your team is up or down, you can easily cash out or bet the game live to come out on the winning side. Use MyBookie for daily odds boost, same-game parlays, and take advantage of huge prize pool contests. Plus, MyBookie has a no-strings-attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick. Just use promo code GATORS on your first deposit and receive up to $200 in cash. That's promo code GATORS to claim your own cash bonus now. And try the MyBookie money bag to grab a potential Super Bowl frontrunner at long-shot odds. Plus $38,000 on the Eagles and Chiefs, you won't find odds like that anywhere else. So bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with my bookie. And look, a crazy schedule can make make it easy to fall back into your dinner time recipe rut. Keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from every week with HelloFresh. And look, there's always something delicious to discover with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh makes whipping up a home cooked dinner actually doable with quick and easy options, including their 15-minute meals. That's less time than it takes to get delivery. And with everything pre-portioned and delivered right to your door every week, it's really a no-brainer. I just received my latest meals, and I can't wait to try new recipes, plus my favorite beef, Flats of Supreme. Me and my wife both enjoy it, and the time it saves not going to the store and not having to think of what meal to cook. So go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gators, use code 50Gators, for 50% off plus free shipping. One more time, that's HelloFresh.com slash 50Gators and use code 50Gators for 50% off plus free shipping to try HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Well, we talked about third down a lot there, and hey, look, it's not like Florida's third down defense is shabby at all. Uh, ranked 10th in the country in third down defense is the Gators... <laughs> Well, what in the world? I mean, after Todd Grantham and Patrick Tony last year, your know, third down defense was just something that was, you know, a given that was going to be just bad uh, under Florida. Not so much anymore. Now, you know, the issue has been getting teams to third down, but Florida, uh, when when they've gotten teams to third down, much much better than what we've seen in recent years. Just what a difference it is. Basically, giving up twenty nine percent of third downs this year uh but Georgia comes into this game with a second best third down conversion offense with 57.1%. So be strength on strength there with the Gators defense on third down and the Georgia offense on third down. But here's some more from Billy Napier on that and the Gators defense.
2: We'd like to be ahead of schedule a little bit more in terms of forcing more third and longs, you know, and to do that you need to create negative plays, right? So we've been playing probably too many downs in the 4 to 6, 2 to 3 range you'd like to play some more long yardages and ultimately the Havoc rate is not quite where we want it to be. On um, normal downs, if that makes sense. Um, so we've been pretty effective on third down, but we're, we're probably getting away with something there. We're just playing really good in that area of our team, although we're not playing in long yards as, as often as we'd like. Takeaways is an area where we you know, we need to do better. You know, I mean, I think ultimately we'd like to take the ball away a little bit more. Um, so tackling at times has been an issue on our team. And then I think just overall gap integrity relative to fundamentals, line of scrimmage, edges. Um, you know, there was, those are some of the areas that we've worked hard for three practices last week. Um, and look, I mean, we just quality control the areas where we feel like Statistically, we need to better be better, but more importantly, you know what we know are chinks in the armor that we need to shore up here as we run into the tougher part of the schedule.
0: Will the beauty of a bye week, uh, right there, Billy really, Napier talking about three extra practices? Hey, look to get the line of scrimmage on defense. That chink in the armor, maybe back on you know the page they need to be on. Gap control, the edges. That's what we've seen against Kentucky, what we saw versus uh, at times versus South Carolina uh, of being a, a struggling, stopping the run. And given we'll get into more of it in just a second, Billy Napier's thoughts on Brock Bowers being out for Georgia. But with that storyline now to go to go along with this game, Georgia's first game without him. What's their game plan going to be? Are they going to pa- trust the passing game as much as they have? Are they going to put it now in a more of a Healthy run game. The run game's getting healthy. Uh, they're, they're starting to figure it out there uh, up front along the offensive line and, and, and the running back. So you know, with the Bowers news, you know, do they lean on the ground game a, a bit more and test? I mean, look, if you if you're Georgia, you probably want to test this Florida defensive line anyway, given the Kentucky game, given what we saw at times versus South Carolina. You probably want to do that anyway. Uh, but now it may force Georgia's hand a, a bit more. Look, they got playmakers. We'll get into that in just a second too. That receiver and tight end still. Uh, but, you know, th- th- there's probably going to be some feeling out from them, given the Brock Bauer situation, uh, Will. So, look, I mean, it, I, I don't want to make it sound too simple on defense, stack the box, make Carson Bake beat you. But, hey, look, that's probably what it's got to be. If I, I'm not saying Carson Beck can't beat Florida, but I'm dang sure going to find out if he can.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because I saw today Brent Rollins on Twitter, who's at Georgia.com, he uh – he had stats for Carson Beck against Vanderbilt against quarters coverage and his QB rating, his average depth of target, all that sort of stuff went down. And mm-hmm. then against everything else, his average his average depth, depth of target yards per attempt and QB rating went way up. So it's at UGASports.com is, yeah. is where Brent Rollins is. You can check him out on, on Twitter there. Um, so I, I saw that and was like, huh, that's interesting. So yeah. coverage apparently is something that he's going to struggle with. And look, if you're playing quarters – All So what what does that do? That takes away downfield stuff. One of the things you try to hit there is like a seam from the slot. And who does Georgia have in the slot who can go down that seam now with Bowers out? Eh, Nobody who's really proven. I want to go back, though, to to Napier's comments, which is the Havoc rate, the front seven Havoc rate, the sacks per game, tackles for loss per game, and not quite takeaways per game. You probably wouldn't put those in there. For Florida, are basically identical to Georgia. Identical. Yeah. So he's misdiagnosing the problem if he's saying that he wants a better Havoc rate. Now, you could say the DB Havoc. So the DB Havoc is much lower than Georgia's. So when they get one-on-one situations and there's a 50-50 ball, Georgia's doing a better job of getting the PBU. But um, but for, the, for all intents and purposes, Florida's stats from a Havoc perspective look pretty decent. The place where Florida is terrible on defense is in explosive plays. They're 11th in giving up 10-plus yard plays, so they're being pretty good from a success rate perspective. They're not giving up a bunch of 10-plus yard plays, but, man, They're 48th in number of 20-plus yard plays they've given up, 84th in the number of 30-plus yard plays they've given up, and 101st in terms of the 40-plus yard plays they've given up, which is Austin Armstrong's calling card when he was at Southern Mississippi. That is something that just jumped off the page is that they were, I think, 114th last year in 20-plus yard plays allowed they have been very consistent this year at Florida in terms of giving up those big explosive plays. So to me, it's not necessarily the havoc that's the that's the thing that you have to solve. It's the consistency. So you did mention gap control. He certainly mentioned that as well. Um, getting push on your defensive line will help those sorts of things. But it's not as though Florida's like way out of the realm of possibility. It's that, honestly, it's that they're not doing a good enough job of all the fundamentals. And I talked earlier about the defensive linemen occupying the offensive linemen, so the linebackers are free to roam, that to me is the thing that's missing. The linebackers have been getting mauled, or they've been taking the wrong route or the wrong angle, or they haven't been in the right hole, and all of a sudden you get some big gash play. That has been consistent all year long, but that's been consistent in Austin Armstrong's defenses now for three years. And so is that characteristic of what he's running on defense, or is that something that as these guys get more experience in the system is going to calm down a little bit, we're going to have to see. So it The problem with playing quarters that I was saying earlier is obviously you expose yourself to the run, right? And so if you can't stop the run, if you can't stop Georgia when they try to run the ball, you're going to have to bring guys up. All of a sudden, then that does then open up some of the routes for Beck to hit where he's been really successful. So there's a lot of different things that Florida's going to have to do well in this one, but I think really it still comes down to, even in the South Carolina game, the issue was the defensive line was getting knocked back to start with, which meant you had to bring safeties up, which meant you left big holes for for Spencer Rattler to exploit, and all of a sudden, big plays going down the field all over the place. It'll be the same thing in this one. If Florida can't stop the run, if Florida's defensive line is getting knocked backwards, then they're going to have to bring guys up to help stop that. And when they do, they're going to have some big plays that are hit over the top. That's just sort of the way this defense is built right now.
0: Yeah, by week couldn't come at a better time uh, for the linebacker group. Been beat up with injuries there; certainly uh, needed to get healthy. Uh, hopefully, Devin Moore is back as well uh, to to give Florida you know all their best options on defense that we think they will need uh, going up against this Georgia offense, which they will catch a break from. Hey, what Billy Napier says? Maybe one of the best players ever in Brock Bowers not being on the field. Here's more on Bowers from Napier.
2: Obviously. This is uh, not only one of the best players in America this year, last year. I mean, this is one of the best players of all time, if that makes sense. I mean, this guy's a really, really unique matchup relative to his ability to run routes and get open, his ability to run after the catch. Uh, I mean, they're handing the guy sweeps. They were handing the guy the ball. Uh, And he's a terrific blocker. You know, he's tough. He's got a really good set of fundamentals. So... Uh, he made them really hard to defend, you know, and I think ultimately the matchups just change, you know, and I think these are probably questions more for them than they are for me. But, you know, we'll prepare for the personnel that we've been watching. Uh, what direction they go, you know, I think will be part of the next couple of weeks for them. But probably having an open date helps. Um, but they're not lacking for skilled players. I mean, they got them, you know, all all positions and then obviously up front, it's a big, tall, long group. You know that's very effective. So, uh, and I think the quarterback, you know, c- gets a little bit better each week. Obviously, he as he gains experience.
0: Well, you got wide receivers: Ladd McConkey, Ra Ra Thomas, Dominic Lovett, and you got tight ends: Oscar Delp and Lawson Lucky. Uh, there for Georgia, He's talking about their skill players. Look, the three wideouts: McConkey, Thomas, and Lovett. They had the makeup to be go-to receivers. I mean, McConkey stepped up last year for Georgia as a go-to receiver. Thomas and Lovett, look, they transferred in. They were the leading receivers at their previous stops, so you know, they got the experience there. But, you know, Brock Bowers has still been the focal point of the Georgia offense. I mean, you go back and look at it, ranked second in Georgia history in touchdown catches with 24. Fifth in receiving yards, six in receptions, all time for Georgia, this brought Bowers. He's had 10 career 100-yard receiving games. Uh, he leads Georgia in receptions this year with 41. Leads in yards with 567. Leads with four touchdown receptions. Um, he's a quarter will of their passing production. So it's just that that's the type of guy he is. I mean, look, you feed a player like him the ball. It's just what you do. He's that good. It's gonna be a big miss for Georgia. Them trying to figure out first game. Look, of course, yes, they have, to, they've recruited talent. They've brought in transfer talent as well. Uh, but this is still the first game where they have to figure it out.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is one of the places where the, where the bye week probably really helps them yeah. to have two weeks to prepare for not having Brock Bowers around. Um, and, and I mean, honestly, the way that they're going to deal with it is going to be the same way Florida would deal with something if, like, Ricky Pearsall went down, yep. right? Pearsall's such a big part of what Florida does. We all saw how how vanilla the offense got the minute Trey Wilson went down. Now, look, Georgia's got better weapons than Florida does sitting behind um, guys like Bowers. But Darnell Washington isn't there, right? I mean, it's not like they've got that combination of tight ends to just put somebody in as hey, look, Brock Bowers went down. Oh, look, the guy who put it is an even bigger physical specimen than Bowers, <laughs> (laughs) which is essentially what they had last year. They don't have that this year. So yeah, it's absolutely going to harm them. It's one of those things where, um, Beck's security blanket is gone. It's one of the reasons why Vanderbilt was able to play quarters against Georgia last week. And look, I mean, they still beat Georgia, what, like 38 to 17, or, or Vanderbilt like 38 to 17, right? So it wasn't like it was that close. But you know, last year we would have picked that game to be 60 63 to seven, right? And and so Georgia's offense is not the same thing that it is. And the other thing is last year's offense was Stetson Bennett, and the last two years really, Bennett was just a dynamic player with his legs. Yep. He was able to get 12 to 15 yard runs. Very much the same way Jordan Travis did last year against Florida whenever he wanted it, right? He was able to to break contain and really sort of drive Florida's defense nuts whenever there was a third down. That's not who Beck is. Beck relies on Bowers in order to make those sorts of plays. So his security might being gone. Is a big deal in this one. At the same time, the fact that they've had two weeks to prepare, I think, you know, had it been something where he gets hurt on a Saturday, you find out on like on like Monday or Tuesday he's not going to be there. And all of a sudden you got to go play the next Saturday. All right, maybe you don't have time to really game plan for it and figure it out. I think the bye week probably makes it a little bit less of a mm-hmm. of a problem than it would be, other than they lost their best player, right? They lost the guy people are talking about in the running for the Heisman Trophy. You don't just replace that guy and Thank it's you. gonna have an impact for <laughs> you.
0: It, it, you know, I've, heard, I've heard this oh well this might actually be better they'll actually spread the ball around now what <laughs> what yeah,
1: again i'll go back to if florida had pierce injured that's not a good thing because trey wilson gets four more touches <laughs> like pierce has <laughs> been the most dynamic player on florida's offense you take him out it's going to harm what florida's trying to do on offense same thing with with uh with uh um With Trevor Etienne, right? He's dinged up the last couple of weeks. The running game looks different because you don't have him in there for as much. Or he was going out of bounds against South Carolina, Mm -hmm. right? He was trying to avoid contact. And um, those sorts of things do take their toll long term. There was one first down where they didn't get it because ETN didn't put his head down and or put his shoulder in and, and get the first down, and it was like third and one, and then they got stopped. Um, so those sorts of things do start to play a role as injuries build up in the SEC. But look, this is big boy football. There's no excuse. Like Kirby Smart's gotten every tight end recruit he's wanted for the last four years. So the <laughs> fact that one of them turned into the best player we've seen there, you know, since Kyle Pitts. And then he, if he doesn't have anybody behind him, that's that's a Kirby Smart problem. So you go out there, you play with the best players you got. Georgia has no excuses in this one if they end up losing or if Beck looks terrible. Um, it's not just that he lost Brock Bowers, it's that Florida's played really, really well against a team that should on paper at least have significantly more talent. This is why you stockpile talent, right? You stockpile talent because every once in a while, football is, a, is an inherently dangerous game. People get injured, they miss entire seasons and so you know georgia got seven games out of bowers Eh, that's a physical position you're that's going to happen sometimes at tight end we saw it in 2020 with kyle pitts right Mm -hmm. there were games where he was just banged up and wasn't able to play and it wasn't necessarily that he had like a high ankle sprain like bowers but there were just times where they had to hold him out because of a concussion or because what why ever he didn't play in the lsu
0: against Um, these same bulldogs
1: (laughs) well there you go so you know look i i think um i think the Bowers' miss is going to be significant. I think it'll be more significant if it's close. So if Florida yeah. can keep it close, if they can find a way to get some pressure on Beck, get a couple of turnovers, and keep it to where, let's say it's let's say it's 17-17 or 24-24, and Georgia has to make a drive. Well, a couple of weeks ago against Auburn, that drive was basically the Bowers' show. And it's going to have to be someone else's show. And that doesn't mean they don't have somebody else who can make it their show, but it means they don't have anybody who's shown it yet. And if Bowers was out there, we would know where the ball was going, and we would also know Florida wasn't able to stop it. And so now at least Florida has an opportunity to potentially stop it if, in fact, um, it comes down to that. And that'll be the question, right, is if it ends up being – if if. Florida can't keep it close and can't put any pressure and can't squeeze the Georgia offense into a pressure-based situation, then it won't make any difference at all. Uh, but if they put them in in that deep pressure situation when it's third and six and Georgia needs the conversion, Bowers ain't there. Absolutely, it's going to make a difference.
0: Yep, yep, yep. So, all right, I know we'll have plenty of coverage on this game later this week at Reading Reaction. Of course, I will as well here on Gators Breakdown this week. But hey, good in-depth coverage. To get the game started, to get this week started right here, Florida, Georgia, big game, big game. Time to take down number one. Time to time time to slay the giant. Shock uh, the world, man! Let's go anyway. do it. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, well, let's t- talk a little bit of recruiting before we get off here on this episode. L.J. McCray, big time defensive lineman commits. Uh, to the Gators. Hey, 24-7 finally decided to update their composite. So here we go. The updated rankings for LJ McCray. He's the 58th overall in 24-7 sports composite, the 10th-ranked defensive lineman. He is a four-star there. He is a five-star in the own three industry rankings where he's 24th overall, fourth defensive lineman. Um, well, I mean, it, look, it can't be overstated how big this was. Not only uh, big, as in you are getting a just a giant on the line that you know six foot six <laughs> and just towers over everybody when you when you watch the highlights. But I mean, you know, about 260, 266, I mean, eighty inch wingspan is you know about what you're getting here with L.J. McCray. Just stands out on the tape. Yeah, you you see it uh, when, when you watch his highlights and. I mean, look, just a big get. I mean, it was a big get over Georgia, a big get over Florida State. Who you know, they thought they were feeling pretty good uh, during the week. Well, it gives Florida nine top one hundred players on the twenty four seven Sports Composite. I'm counting Amaris Williams, who is at one hundred one. So yes, that's nine hundred. You know, top one hundred players there. I mean, it's just look. We we know how important it is. We we've stressed getting the in state top guys. We've stressed getting your top. 100s, you know, do your elite. That's where you start making the differences. When you start stacking the high-level talent year after year after year after year, Uh, this is a great start. Florida's recruited defensive line pretty well under Billy Napier so far. They're doing it again right here, adding L.J. McCray to the fold.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, we've been talking about for as long as I've been on this show that Florida needs top three recruiting classes. Florida's ranked third. They have an average player rating twenty four seven of ninety two point six eight. That's going to go up because you know that Rivals is going to increase its rating for uh, for LJ McCray <laughs> in the not <laughs> too distant future. Yes, um, once once they've seen more tape on I mean, him, he's, yeah, he's going to end up one. a five star when this when this finishes yeah. up. I think two fifty on Rivals, even I if don't he's know the fiftieth player in the, in the in the country. <laughs> well, and everybody has him like top ten. <laughs> so, yeah so yes it makes a huge deal that florida's got him um but but to me look so 92.68 is the average player rating alabama and that's the 22 commits alabama has 20 commits they're at 92.27 so this is a better recruiting class not just from a numbers perspective but from a player rating perspective than the alabama crimson Tide. it's not better than Georgia yet it's not better than Ohio State yet, but if you're recruiting with Georgia, Ohio State, Florida, and you go, I'm better than Florida State, Alabama, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Oregon, and Miami, and that's the rest of the top 10, all right, we can work with that, right? And it's been a long, 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 long time since Florida's had a recruiting class with this level of top-end talent. And this level of just overall talent in general. The main criticism for Billy Napier last year in his in his bump class was the top end talent wasn't there, right? Like the guys like Harold Perkins in the first year who decided to go to who decided to go to LSU. The guys like uh, Oakland Lola who decided to go to Miami. Like all, the guy like Cormani McClain who ends up going to Miami and then Colorado those sorts of guys wound up going elsewhere last year this year they're going to Florida you got DJ lagway there you've got miles Graham there you've got all of these different guys and now you've got LJ McRae there as well and if you think about where Florida struggled this year it's definitely defense so the fact <laughs> that they recruited strong on defense last year that they're bringing in these guys and these guys are going to supplement it's interesting like the the it's disappointing to watch the defense get gashed no doubt but it does remind me of that 2007 defense in some capacity, where you look at the guys out there and you go, "These guys are talented." Yeah, they're just not in the right spot. <laughs> and then you know that game where Florida in 2007 couldn't stop Michigan, and it was just up and down the field, and Tebow scoring like crazy, and then Michigan gets the ball back, and oh look, another touchdown for Michigan. Like it, that South Carolina game in some ways kind of reminded me of that, where it was just like, I got no hope they're gonna, I have no hope they're going to to fix this right now but I see the talent. The issue with Grantham and those sorts of defenses was he had guys who were juniors and seniors out there who were in the wrong spot. And you're like, all right, well, this isn't going to get any better. And there's not some armada of recruits coming. Who's going to make it better. Florida's got an unbelievable linebacker class coming in in this class. And now to put McCray with that linebacker class, I think big picture, um, you know, you can't do anything but applaud what Billy Napier's doing thus far in this 2024 class. Obviously would love to see him finish it out with a couple of more guys specifically, Offensive skill players, it, you know, at the wide receiver position specifically, hint, hint. Um, but,
0: <laughs> but, you know, look, offensive line. Offensive,
1: yeah, well, that'd be good too. I got, I got no problem with that either. But, but, um but, you know, look, just applaud for the guy. that He's done what he needed to do in his 2024 class. And I'm, I mean, at this point, I'm basically signed off on the 2024 class being awesome. And now it's time to make that 2025 class the follow up that makes sort of, in the two or three year window exactly. when DJ lagway is really ready to go. Everyone else is too.
0: Yeah. Bill, uh, well, you mentioned that too, with this defensive class, like you said, it's, it's at every level. I mean, as I said, you, you talk about the defensive line class, you know, you add McCray to an Amaris Williams along the defensive line. And then you go to linebackers. You said, Jamonta Waller, Aaron Childs, Miles Graham, Darius Hayes, Xavier feels me at safety. I mean, you got just in your top, 10 of your class you've got every level of the defense you got high level on every level of the defense i mean yeah as you said you know we, we've seen the issues this year we've seen the issues at florida four years up front on defense and that is it's been remedied somewhat already in in recruiting and they've been able to stack at least on the defensive line defensive front where hey you got a lot of nice pieces to point to as you said uh and really turning this thing around
1: Well, and it's interesting because both Waller and McRae have outlier rankings that are dragging them down below a typical five-star. So if Florida's evaluations on this guy or on those two guys specifically are right, then essentially you've got four and almost five five five-stars because Graham's like right there, hovering hovering at that spot. You've got almost five five stars coming in this class how that ends up at the end of the year how all these re-rankings end up um, I don't know but it but it sort of comes back to the evaluation at that point you've already stacked all these top 100 guys that's great but in terms of like the camp miss prospects these guys have services rating them as like the best player in the country at their position Waller's got a couple of services that are rating him that way McCray's got a couple of services so 24-7 specifically has him as the sixth rated player in the country now obviously there's a big there's 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 a big span of opinion between what rivals has him rated in the 250s or whatever (laughs) it is and where 24-7 has him at sixth. But if the evaluations that Florida's done are correct and he is the sixth best player in the country, well, now you just added a real, real difference maker there on the defensive line. And same thing with Waller. If, if if the one recruiting service is wrong and this one and the other one's are right and Florida's evaluation is right, then you've added a real, real difference maker there as well. So Florida is bringing in guys in this particular class who are going to be stars and probably going to be stars, or at least many of them are going to be stars. And they're going to be stars early, which means you're going to get at least two years out of them at a high level before they go to the NFL. And Florida's put a lot of guys in the NFL recently, but if you've noticed, it's been a lot of guys who are other than guys like Anthony Richardson, who are athletically gifted enough to be able to go. It's been a lot of guys who've been seniors who've been going to the NFL. Florida needs to get to that place where we're looking at it going, ah, crap, we're only going to get him for three years. But that's (laughs) awesome that we only got him for three years, because that means we did the right thing, bringing in a guy at the high school level, developing him and getting him ready for the league.
0: Uh, Yeah, excuse me there. Um, Yeah, on three, their own rankings – Eighth overall for McRae, the f- top ranked defensive lineman in the country, twenty four seven, as you said, Will. Sixth overall, second ranked defensive lineman in the country. So yeah, I mean, you're top ten overall, top position player. I mean, it's uh, that, that's why this one was big. You know, this was couldn't be overstated. It couldn't have come at a better time too. Gave something for everybody to celebrate during the bye week. It was a per- perfect time for it. Perfect time for it.
1: Well, and here's what I will say: Is anybody who watched that Ohio State Penn State debacle over the weekend, where <laughs> where like people were just chucking the ball to the stands, it seemed like um, Penn State is where Florida has been recruiting. And when they face Ohio State, I think they, I think Franklin's beaten Ohio State like once in his entire career. There, that's what you're staring down if you recruit thirteenth or fourteenth with Georgia and Alabama recruiting up at the top. And that Ohio State Penn State dynamic where Ohio State is just their brother is just their daddy and Penn State can't get a win. We just saw this past week. What happens? Like Penn State's actually got a really good defense, but they've got holes in different places. And so Florida, in this case, with this class is recruiting at an Alabama or at a Georgia level or almost a Georgia level. And so that you know, these this game, if this continues, is going to be even two years from now in terms of overall talent. Now look. Georgia may have a better quarterback. Georgia may have better development systems. All those things are yet to be determined. But you'll no longer be able to say Georgia is just leaps and bounds more talented than Florida. And that's the first part of building a long-term sustainable winner. And Billy Napier has that going, at least for his 2024 class.
0: Yeah, big news. Big, great news there. Getting L.J. McRae here in this class for the Gators. 22 commits we're sitting at now as we're about – Two months away from early signing day, so we'll see how this season finishes out for the Gators, Uh, and we'll see how December goes as well, but hey, class is already off to a good start, continue with a hot summer in the season, this is one we were waiting on, Florida gets him over at FSU in Georgia, so big time gift right there. Uh, Will, with um, you and Nick, stand up and holler this week, I'm sure plenty, plenty more Florida-Georgia coverage, and you guys uh, also breaking down, recruiting Emma Cray.
1: Oh, absolutely. We'll have, we'll have the Georgia stuff going on. We'll talk about McCrae a little bit. Um, you know, more, I think from a holistic perspective of, of, uh, I mean, the recruiting class basically done at this point. You're not going to be able to move it very much, yeah. which means we can make conclusions about where these things are going to sit, which is great. You can usually do that by the time things kick off um, in September. But obviously, getting a guy like McRae over Georgia, pretty big deal. So we'll have Georgia preview. We'll have uh, we'll have some recruiting talk. I'm sure Nick will get me off on some tangent about Iowa or something like that, because that's usually what <laughs> we end up doing. Because uh, you know, it's uh, we're, we're college football fanatics. Like we love Florida, but 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 college football fanatics just got a little bit different flair over there. Usually, it's been IL talk. That's sort all of I'm, call, stuff, I'm so. calling
0: for a fair catch right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I gotta be honest with all the offensive coordinator talk that we've had this year. Boy, if you were an Iowa fan, I'd just be apoplectic. <sighs> That's such an awful situation.
0: I know they are, I mean, they, they've got it put together pretty well on defense. You know, if they could put together an offense there in that conference, they, yeah.
1: I mean, honestly, buddy, this would be like if you brought Hadley onto the onto the uh, Gators breakdown and the ratings tanked, and you're like, "No, it's not her fault." <laughs> It'd be the same thing, man.
0: Oh man, yeah, yeah. Plenty, Florida, Georgia, big game, big game this week. Of course, hopefully, hopefully the Gators will pull it out on some surprise for us this week there. But hey, it's a fun time nonetheless. World's largest outdoor cocktail party that we're not supposed to call it that, but we are going to anyway. Um but uh, ready for it, as I said, it's my favorite event of the year. Favorite, my favorite week. The you know, city of Jacksonville gets buzzing. All my Georgia friends uh, here, people I don't hear from, but once a year, this is usually the the, the the week I hear from them. So,
1: well, so I just have to say, Dave, they need to hear from you every week for the next fifty-two weeks. If uh, if Florida pulls this one out, right? Like just a text yeah. message, like, hey, what was the score again? Like, yeah, do you yeah. Remember what was the score again? Like, let, hey, let I'm know.
0: doing it. All. I'm wearing. I'm going to wear my beat Georgia shirt. I'll probably every episode this week. So wash it, wear it again on Saturday, and you know we'll we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes.
1: Oh man, it'd be so nice. It'd be God. so nice.
0: I hate them. I, like, really I don't know. Can,
1: can we, like it was honestly, I think one of my favorite ones recently was the Treon Harris game where he threw the ball like what six times. <laughs> like that was just so awesome because they were so Taylor,
0: Matt Jones just running for like six hundred thousand yards.
1: Like in some ways, like something that just like rips their heart out would be better than just like a giant beatdown, Though, you know, I'll take either one.
0: Yeah, I'll take either <laughs> like just win one. The game. I, I, I would not be picky. There's, there's still something left to be said too when, you know, one side of the stadium and hopefully it's that side when, you know, it's just till seats and speckles of red and black. <laughs> when know.
1: it completely empties out. Yeah, it's yeah. a good good time to be there, man.
0: Yeah. Alright, hopefully. I'll have a good time before the game anyway, but hopefully after the game as well. uh, right, for Will Miles, you can find him at ReadReaction.com on YouTube at Reaction. You can find him on social media, Will Miles, SEC. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on social media at GatorDave underscore SEC and at Gators Breakdown. Guys and girls out there, thank you for joining us on this episode of Gators Breakdown.